This is Enigma Voices bringing you the 3PM podcast. I'm Etienne Fermi. I'm Ruben Pinder. And you're listening to the 3PM podcast. So obviously there's just two of us this week, um, so deal with it. It's still going to be a good one, we hope. Uh, Should we start with the League Cup final? Yes, let's do it. So uh, obviously you will have enjoyed watching Arsenal lose 3-0 to Man City in a game which... I guess we could have all predicted going this way. Arsenal were pretty dreadful. Oh, to use the the word predominantly used by Gary Neville, they were pathetic, weren't they? Yeah, Gary Neville in particular seemed to really Arsenal offend Gary Neville. They're, yeah. they're so they're so soft, and it really gets at him, and it's quite it's quite enjoyable to listen to. And I feel like in the past, um, the part of the reason they've offended him is because he he quite likes Arsene Wenger, and I think he quite admires Arsene Wenger. And yeah. he's and he's felt like they let him down. Whereas I think yesterday it was kind of an explosion at all of it. It was almost like it clicked in his mind yesterday that. Mm. And then... and obviously like back back when Neville was playing, Arsenal were tough as well as being good. And I think the point that he made about their football not even being good anymore, it's boring now, so they don't even have that to fall back on, was quite significant. Yeah, it's like now and then they turn it on. Remember they got quite excited after the Everton game yeah. recently, and I think I even said on this podcast, like, why are they getting excited? They, they were they were great, but they do this. They Now and then they turn it on and they do play that old-school Wenger football, you know, knocking it around, um, outplaying opponents, but then you know that... It's not going to last. And it's quite strange, though, because while they do this a lot, like, they'll step up for an easy game and then they'll hide away in a big one. At Wembley, in the last... Like, they've won the FA Cup a few times in recent years. They've beat City last season in a semi. Yesterday, they just didn't turn up at all. Their, inverted commas, second home, is it, that they've now lost twice this month? More times than you this season, is it? Oh, it's the same. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Bloody West Ham. Yeah, City though, again, not at their best, but they, they survived without Fabian Delph. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> and, um, and they just won comfortably. I think once once City took the lead, it was pretty much game over. And they took the lead in the easiest way possible, making use of the uh, rule that you can't be offside from a goal kick. Well, it's also a byproduct of the way City play in the fact that Arsenal were so intent on stopping them playing out from the back. They they press almost stupidly, making sure everyone's marked. So then everyone's so far forward that Bravo can just one kick. And I mean, Mustafi, it's, it's unforgivable, that defending in a cup final. It's just unbelievable that... And to claim a foul, it's just, it's just very embarrassing. It's the fact that he stopped playing and like, asked for the foul when Aguero was running off with the ball. And it wasn't... Aguero literally just stood still. It's, it's not a foul at all. And, yeah, I mean, Bra- normally Edison would be playing in goal and he can do those kicks, but, like, Wembley's a massive pitch. Bra- that's it's, a, it's one long goal kick, but it's actually quite a good pass from Bravo. And, and obviously it's a great finish. But, yeah, um, that's the thing with City. Even if you do pen them in at a goal kick, they can knock it long, even though they don't have a target man. But they weren't really, like... In top in in top gear, City they were I, sort of walking through. I don't think they've been in top gear for a little while, but they stick. They keep winning matches. I don't think they've really been at their best since December. Yeah, I think they like peaked in in November. But they, they've had a f- few injuries to to get used to like deal with, but they were just they were they were great. 
Oh, it's well, al- they weren't. But. It's almost like they've just got comfortable at yeah. the moment. They just win all the time, and they know they're going to win all the time. And they're kind of mentally now focusing on the Champions League because the league's wrapped up pretty much. They're, they've got a trophy. They're out of the FA Cup. So now it's all focus is now on the Champions League, I guess. Yeah, that's probably part of the reason why they were so upset last Monday after the weekend game mm. was because that's one of the things they've really been focusing on. That, you know, they, they always try and play it down, but the quadruple was genuinely something that I think they were probably thinking about. As yeah. well as the Invincibles, I think they were probably yeah, yeah. thinking about that And as now well. both of those are gone, which is, I guess, a bit of a shame for them, but obviously they'll still, they'll still win the league and they'll probably break the points total. And maybe the goals, and probably the goal scored one as yeah. well. So, yeah, City are good. Arsenal are soft. Nothing new there. Yeah, really. it's not even that Arsenal are bad. They're just soft. Yeah. Which often leads to being bad. But that's the cause of the, that's the root cause of the problem. N- nice to see a company get a goal and, and get a start. Yeah, he was great. I think he got man of the match. Yeah, he was really good. There was one moment where, now I've said company's probably like physically finished for a while, but. There was one moment where Aubameyang was chasing a ball. Company matched him for pace. That was and amazing. Him off it. And then just um, outmuscled him. That was brilliant. Yeah. It was such. It was so vintage company. My favourite thing about Company's goal, though, was uh, his celebration. It was like the. Do you remember when he scored that header against United in their first league title-winning season, 11-12? He scored a header from a corner and just sort of ran towards the fans, jumping in the air, celebrating and. The, his celebration was just not coordinated. Just there was just limbs going everywhere and like that, a look that, of joy on his face. That's the best kind of celebration, yeah. the kind of uncontrollable emotion. And for what he's been through, uh, injury-wise, it's just great. It was great to see. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, we should, we'll probably move on now to United Chelsea, which was another one of the big games on Sunday. Um, United looked better, different formation. Pogba back in the side. Um, what, what did you make of that? Uh, well, I've only seen the match of the day because I was on the way back from Selhurst, which we'll come on to. But um, no, it looked it looked good. You know, Pogba was playing in where, where he should play. It seemed uh, he looked more comfortable. He looked like when he got the ball, he was just more confident to try stuff because he was a bit further up the pitch in the on the channel that he likes to operate in. Um, but people still, I guess. People will still criticise him regardless. I'm not sure people know what they want from company. I mean, company, Pogba. I'm not sure people, they want him to, like Julian Laurent was saying, they want him to defend like Kante pass, like Busquets, create like De Bruyne. But he, he is his own player and he played quite well yesterday. But I think the most important improvement was that Matic was really good yesterday and mm. he's been sluggish for a while. But he was really good at winning the ball and distribu- distributing it, I thought. Even Lindelof at the back uh, was an improvement on, you know, well, they've been playing Smalling and Jones a lot recently who are in a in a bad run of form, to say the least. Um, Chelsea were a bit, just, they, they, they just weren't at their best. Like, they played really well against Barcelona and it was a bit of a dip, even though they took the lead, which was a really good goal, I thought. Yeah, I think we've probably got to talk about Lukaku. Yeah, he had a very good game. Yeah, that is... Um, you know, it feels like everybody's been waiting for this performance against a properly good side for a while, and it finally came. And it looked like, you know, you can talk about the uh, the goal, the overhead kick attempt, but the one that makes you think that it's like, kind of Lukaku at Everton was, you know, the burst of pace. 
through the middle where he just ran straight straight at the heart of Chelsea. I think it, this shot ended up getting blocked in the ninety second minute. Yeah, that yeah, was that's, that, that's the main thing because like they 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 knew that they couldn't match him, so they were just trying to block off any possible shots it was it's one of those things I love in football the massive touch you know like where they take a touch about 10 metres in front of them and Bale just used run. to do it a lot um, the, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I love that massive touch yeah and obviously the criticism of Lukaku is that he's a flat track bully and today went some way to you know persuading people that that's not the case I mean he needs to keep it up though he needs to do it yeah. again and again because you know if he goes another couple of games against top six opposition without scoring, the stat will just become, oh, one, yeah. one goal in however many games. I mean, I, I think part of that record, it will be to do with the fact that Mourinho sets up so cautiously in big it, games and he becomes isolated. Was it not reasonably similar at Everton in both, on both counts that he didn't score many but was quite isolated yeah. under Koeman? Yeah, like against Liverpool this season... Um, he was very isolated and just chasing, chasing clearances and not and not getting to them. And it wasn't really his fault, but yeah, I mean, it will be good for his confidence that he scored against a, a big team. And it was a really good goal. I thought some really nice passing on the edge of the box. Mm. Um, Morata was pretty poor again. Although I think his goal that was chalked off for offside was actually onside, which sort of makes you know why not let that run and then. He had, with VAR. he had the one that hit the bar as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, it feels like he's been sluggish for a while. I think it's ten, 10 games without a goal. And I was reading Simon Johnson in The Standard earlier and he was saying that the real crime here from Conte was starting Morata over Giroud. Yeah, I mean, Giroud's good, good off the bench, but he's also... He, it would have made more sense to start, to start Giroud given Morata's lack of confidence. It's now how do you arrest Morata's... Lacking, lacking confidence. Do you do you give him some time out of the team, or do you keep on playing him because he's the type of striker who needs it and he shies away from chances? Because he's not actually started many games recently. He's no. had a back problem, and yeah, and like against Barcelona, they just went with the three wingers up front. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Mm. Um, we'll see. We will see. Chelsea now out of the top four by what's the point cushion? Two, and they have City on Sunday at the Etihad. So. Potentially, they could be in a bit of trouble after next mm. weekend. If because if it does extend to five, then especially with the fixtures that Tottenham have, it could be difficult. Yeah, I and think I, th I feel like they might have been banking on Tottenham to drop points in that Liverpool Arsenal Man United run. Yeah, which they just didn't. So yeah, and if Chelsea don't finish in the top four, then they can probably say goodbye to to Eden Hazard. I mean. Courtois as well. Yeah, who could both end up going to Real Madrid, who knows. But, I mean, that's for the summer. We won't speculate now, but yeah. it, it could happen. Um, all right, we'll move on to the game between our teams then. Uh, Palace nil, Spurs won. It, it was always coming, that goal. I mean, we got pretty close to snatching a point, but it, it was always going to... I mean, Palace eventually. were pretty hamstrung. You can't really blame Hodgson. The fact that, you know, people. I saw people calling them negative or, you know, 12 injuries... A lot of important players missing. I don't think they could have really played another way. I'm not even sure it was that much by design. I, I just feel like with Benteke in his kind of slumber that he's been in for, yeah, I don't know, ages. a year maybe, maybe slightly less, yeah. but, um, you know, holding nothing up, then 
it's going to be difficult. So the, the number of times Palace try and get out and one of Dyer, Sanchez or Wanyama or at times Dembele would just be like, nope. Yeah. And it's like, even if we wanted to give Benteke a rest and play Solo through the middle, we, we our only option to play a winger other than him is like Chungi because uh, Zaha's still injured. So we've literally got no options anymore um, with with our injuries. Hopefully Sacco, uh, Mamadou that is, will be back for the United game next Monday because uh, Fossi Mensah is obviously ineligible to play against his parent club and defensively we've got far too many injuries. I watched um, I watched match of the day this morning to catch up on it and I thought the pundits were actually pretty harsh on this game. Harsh on Palace because, you know, for obvious reasons that we just mentioned, but harsh on Tottenham as well because... The Spurs had loads of chances in oh, this yeah. game. It could have easily been like four or five. There was one where Eriksen like volleyed it across to Kane, who shot with his left foot, and it went wide inexplicably. And usually, when one of the big teams produces a late winner like that, they call it great character or yeah. you know the sign of a great team or whatever. But yesterday, it was just called oh lucky or you know, they were crap or yes. Yeah, Two ways to, to spin it. Uh, and also, I don't. I, I hate Sunday middays. I think they are just. It's the worst slot, and the games are always rubbish. Yeah. They're always rubbish. I can think of Tottenham Palace at Wembley this season was a midday. Um, Tottenham Chelsea in fifteen sixteen was a Sunday midday. It was finished nil nil. Just all the Sunday midday games. Just they're just not very good and. And then they say, oh, you know, both teams look sluggish. I wonder why. Yeah, it's just too early to play. But, I mean, it was going to be on Monday night, to be fair, which, who knows, might have changed something. But you never know. Um, Kane's goal was uh, from a corner. He peeled off at the back post um, because he was being marked by Damien Delaney, who unfortunately had to come on when Tompkins got injured. And at that point, I knew that the goal would, would come. Uh Delaney, you know, he's old, he shouldn't be playing, but he had to, and yeah, it's just... Yeah. It was remarkable, um, the number of chances that Kane had missed before that, very unlike him. The left foot volley one actually led me to getting a wound, so I'm going to show Ruben right now. <laughs> I want your live reaction to my wound. I mean, it, it looks very small, but I imagine it was quite painful. Well, it, it came because I was in seat one, of, and the Arthur Waite, for people that haven't been to Selhurst, is a kind of, it's a strange stand. It's very old school, and there's kind of a front section and a back section. It's one tier, but there's like a walkway three quarters of the way up. And um, yeah, so I'm seat one, right on the edge of the stand. And one good thing about that is, ah, oh, you know, I've got a wall I can bang when things irritate me. So, uh, and the cane miss, I turn round and I slap that wall. And I think, oh, that hurts. There's a bloody nail sticking out of it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just saying health and safety at Palace. Write, write an email to Steve Parrish. I think he's got enough on his plate at the moment, <laughs> mate. Trying to run a football club. <laughs> Trying. Yeah, that's the key word there. Um, should we talk about Deli Alley diving? Yeah, it seems like something we have to talk about yeah. every week now. It is so, literally yeah. a regular occurrence. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's like the dive or not dive. I mean, there, are, there was a case of both in this game. Yeah. But, you know, it's like at Liverpool he dived, at Rochdale he didn't. Then this week... We had one one of each. There was, but then the Liverpool one, he actually sort of dived, but then realised that he wasn't going to get anything and tried to continue playing the ball from the ground. So he's not one of these who will dive and then look at the referee and shout, "Why haven't you given me a penalty?" He sort of 
you know, it just depends on your stance. But this this one where he went over Hennessy, it, he left both his legs there, and it was a bad one. It was again. a bad one, and yeah, and it's you said it off air earlier. You know the 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 deli who cried dive, mm. you know, yeah. or dive or the penalty. Den. Like he won't. That's eventually, it, he won't get one. That is because, he, and that's what happened today. Yeah. Patrick Van Aanholt, or yesterday, sorry, Patrick Van Aanholt's in his face, and it's like, Patrick, you've just kicked his back leg away. You, I, you're incredibly lucky. I don't know why he did that though, because Ali was like boxed in, and Van Aanholt just came over and bundled him with a kick, and it was like, you know, that that oh. one is a nailed-on penalty. However, you can't feel that much sympathy for Delhi, even saying as a Tottenham yeah. fan, because. You know, how is anyone going to feel any sympathy when he doesn't get one that he should, when he's constantly looking at an opportunity? Mm. And it won't it won't change because, you know, the manager's talked about it. It's just... He doesn't know, see it as a problem. He doesn't see it yeah. as a problem. It's a very... Um, Argentinian attitude. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always bother me, but ones like yesterday kind of do because it's just so obvious. Yeah, it's, and it's, I, for me, it's like now and then... If you're exaggerating contact to win a penalty when you need to win and stuff like, I can understand that, like, why you want to do that. But doing it all the time is counterproductive because you won't get the penalties, and it just attracts unnecessary criticism. Like, he'll say like it doesn't affect him, but if if every week everyone's talking about him being a cheat, quote unquote, then surely that's gonna like. It's just, it's just growing a bit tiresome now. Yeah. I think for me. Um, if he does it for England in the World Cup and, and it wins us a game, then, then pe- those, people won't complain. Those same Palace yeah. fans will be delighted. Yeah. The you let your country down brigade <laughs> of Block I B. Did. <laughs> of the home yeah. I mean, I did hear that at um, Spurs Palace in 2016. But just to, just to put the Delhi chat to bed, I thought Kane was very clever with his post-match comments. He said... Uh, I don't expect it to affect referees. Uh, they'll give what they see, and to be fair, that's what they do. And by saying that, it kind of puts something in the mind of the referees, I think, mm. that see that and think, no, I can't just assume he's dived. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think, I think it's Yeah, it's clever. quite clever from Kane, to be fair. Um, so Palace have got a hard run of games coming up, uh, and then an easier run later on in the season, which will be our make or break. I fear we're going to go down, but... You'd probably rather have all the hard games now while yeah. all the players are injured. Yeah, just sort of like take take them as losses mentally and then focus on the more winnable ones when we've got a fitter squad. But yeah, we'll we'll move on now to Liverpool beating West Ham. That was pretty, you know, what you'd expect. What Something I um, saw from match of the day that caught my eye was how well Oxlade-Chamberlain is playing in midfield, quite under the radar. Mm. He's he is getting these games in central midfield he that see, he came for. He seems to be a bit up and down, and at the moment he seems very much up. It looks like you know he looks fitter because obviously that mm. was the thing yeah. that went around at the time. That apparently he was incredibly unfit, but um, yeah, he's a good player. He's always had Something. a good player he's in him, talent, but, yeah. and it looks like Klopp's getting it out of him. I actually thought in the first half West Ham looked all right. Yeah, yeah. Arnautovic hit the bar. Uh, with a great effort. It was like Cantona-esque, that effort yeah, from yeah, Arnautovic. But it kind of felt a bit inevitable, didn't it, that this would happen? Something about this game that I really didn't like was um, John Arnarisa tweeting to tell, tell the Liverpool fans to give a certain someone a tough afternoon. That mm. certain someone being Patrice Everett after the, the Suarez fiasco, which I just think is a bit ridiculous. On this one, Risa tried to defend himself after by 
I think, calling people like you weirdos <laughs> and, uh, and saying that that's just something that happens. Any ex-United player will get it Anfield, which I can kind of understand, yeah. but this this definitely seemed to have other connotations. Yeah, yeah. it's not just, just because he's ex-United. I mean, they might have booed Hernandez as well, but they've still uh, there are some fans that still have this vendetta against Evera for having the cheek to complain. Liverpool fans, some of them, some of them, some Liverpool fans seem to get like that though, don't they? Yeah. They, they, they love a vendetta or it, a conspiracy yeah, theory. It's some a, of them. It's a bit strange, but yeah. The vast majority of Liverpool fans are good people, we should put in there. That we don't want to offend. Um, another 4-1, Brighton beats Swansea. Swansea back in the relegation zone. Brighton looking quite comfortable. Yeah, I mean, uh, Glenn Murray one, uh, scored two of a number of ex-Palace goals this weekend. Right. Gale scored a brace, um, well, which we didn't put in running order, but really good comeback from Bournemouth in that game. Gale scored a brace, Murray scored a brace or a hat-trick. Brace. And Bamf- Penn Murray at it again. <laughs> Bamford scored for he got a brace. Johnny Williams scored for Sunderland. And we can't score a goal to save our lives. Yeah. So we, I, I, we never should have got rid of Murray. Gale, I can understand, but the Murray one was like a Pardew power thing. He didn't like it, and then he, and then we ended up playing Wickham up he, front. All he'd season. come he back like from that scored. horrendous injury, hadn't he? Yeah. And he hadn't quite found it. No. Yeah. But but you know, obviously, he still he can still score. Even if it's against bottom half teams, that's what we need. Brighton like, are looking quite good at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they look well coached and I like I like Anthony Knocker. I've always quite yeah. liked Anthony Knocker. And his celebration yeah. where he sort of messed up the the flip, but so then just went into a sort of impromptu backwards roll. <laughs> I liked the, it. The the one Brighton player that I can't stand is, is Shilotto. Not for any personal reasons, just he doesn't ru- he doesn't move like a footballer. He looks like he's in bottom set P and he's been moved up to make up the numbers. But inexplicably, As opposed to their other right back, Bruno. <laughs> yeah, but inexplicably, he's got a cap for Italy, so what nice. can I say? Um, West Brom lost to Huddersfield at the Hawthorns. Apparently, Pardew's been given a week. Well, they're done, aren't they? West Brom are gone. Yeah. But I think their fans, some of them, have kind of made peace with that for a while yeah. and are up for just playing better football at a lower level now. Which you think Pardew would be decent for in the championship? Yeah, but, I think. Like, is it even worth sacking him now? Exactly, because you'd think part of it. Th- this is a rebuild thing, because that squad's so ingrained in Pulis ball mm. that. Your Dawson's and Livermore's Brunt and stuff. Exactly, you look at their midfield, that they don't have a number 10. No, they don't, do they? They don't have one. They're, the midfield, you. Even li- like Morrison's not really a 10. Livermore, Krikoviak, and. Um, Gareth Barry, you know, that's they're not built for creativity, so it does seem like a bit of a halfway house at the moment. It's kind of, you know, we're sort of trying to play better football, but we can only score from corners. Yeah, well, that was like what it that was like Pardew's Palace, all, all about our new style and and not really actually using it productively, so and it, still resorting to set pieces. And so stuff. if they sack him, then it just puts an end to a bizarre kind of, yeah. Uh, Period it's where, pointless because they're down already. Exactly, they might as well. If you know, if they wanted him to change it all mid-season, then that was probably never going to work. They might as well have just hired someone else. Yeah, and I want him to have a relegation on his CV. We go. They they come to Selhurst on the final day of the season. Statistically, best uh, Palace manager in the <laughs> Premier League ever. Just going to throw that out. There. He's streaky. He's streaky. Let's put it that way. Best Palace manager ever. <laughs> 
Oh, we'll talk about that off air. Um, Sa- oh, Saturday's other games. He's just pulled out a knife. <laughs> Saturday's TV games were quite dull. Um, I missed the first one. I saw the goals. I was I was very ill on Saturday. Butland Probably. made a mistake, but he, also made a great save. He did. He made a few decent stops, but for all Brighton's cross that he spilled in, he was really like flat-footed, and it was quite unlike him to make such a silly mistake. But I'd, I'd still start him in goal for England. But yeah. I'm team Pickford. I'm team not Joe Hart, so either of them's fine. But um, Shakiri's goal was good. Two things from that game: Shakiri's really good. And another thing from that game, I loved uh, Harry Maguire totally skinning Kurt Zuma when he yeah, hit the post. Yeah. That was amazing. That was a good um, reaction from from Butland because he yeah. tipped that onto the post. But um, yeah, I was I was thinking whilst while I was watching this, if in the summer if City fancy going back in for Mares, if Stoke go down, I think they should go for Shakiri instead. Yeah, I mean Shakiri's played at the top level before. He's... Has he not played under Guardiola before? At Bayern, was he there for that season, thirteen, fourteen? I think he'd already gone to Inter. Because I don't know, but I think, I, yeah, I think he'd. But already I think left, but I think he'd be cheaper, a cheaper alternative to Mares. And to be honest, I don't think there's that much between them. Guardiola, Guardiola could get a lot out of Shakiri. I think when they're both fit, I think Shakiri's just as good. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm a big fan of both. Um, could be a good alternative. Yeah. I think he's great. Um, Watford beat Everton one 0 Everton are again dull. Um, I mean, hiring Big Sam, surely he'll be gone at the end of the season. Yeah, somebody did a great tweet of a uh, <laughs> Marco Silva watching Watford versus Everton. It was just a picture of David Brent in his hotel room with a glass of whiskey. <laughs> uh, um, good, good finish from Deeney though, your boy. Yeah, man, Troy, his first open play goal of the season. What a man. Good touch. There's not man. much else to say about that game. Watford will be fine. Everton will be fine. but Everyone will be fine. Apart from Palace. Um, right, Football League. There was quite a few interesting results, quite a few high-scoring games. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be all about Fulham versus Wolves on Saturday. But in actual fact, it was pretty mental before that. There were, there were loads of goals. Um, I'll start with Forest. And you don't associate Aitor Karanka teams with loads of goals, do no, you? No. But they, they won 5-2 at Loftus Road. It was kind of Lee Tomlin-inspired. He scored an absolute beauty. Who's on loan from Cardiff, isn't he? Yeah, and Lee Tomlin's career is massively stalled, but he played very well under Karanka Middlesbrough. You might remember yeah. him bossing Vincent Company at the Etihad in the FA Cup that year. So if he can, if they can get a proper tune out of him, he could be... Really good he is, for them. He is one of those like stocky number tens who's excellent in the championship, but probably doesn't quite have it in the Premier League. He's too fat for the Premier League. Yeah. Um, no offence, Lee. <laughs> it's but, just true, yeah. Uh, yeah, another another two. Well, you wouldn't associate Reading with loads of goals, but they drew three all with uh, Derby, and um, Derby conceding too many goals at the moment. Which again, you wouldn't really associate with Gary Rowett, but it was Yon Daddy Bodvarsson. The great name. A great name. Who uh, equalised with ten minutes to go? Then Chris Baird got sent off in the eighty-fifth minute. Is this like classic derby, sort of towards the end of the season, just yeah. A bit worse. I mean, I was calling it the curse of second place, but Cardiff actually won this weekend against Bristol City, who have fallen away. But um, yeah, they they do tend to do this derby. Um, but you know, they're still very much in the mix. If they can stop conceding so many goals, they probably be all right. Um, then at Hillsborough. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, who haven't done very well under Jos Lehukai and look like probably looking over their shoulders at the moment. Uh, they lost 4-2. 
to Aston Villa. Late goals from Conor Hurahane and Robert Snodgrass swung it uh, Villa's way. Probably could have gone either way. Um, mm. But, yeah, it was Villa that ground it out. It's big. Uh, Sunderland Borough was another mental game that finished 3 I remember I was watching this... Well, I was watching Soccer Saturday and uh, I had Borough as part of one of my bets, which was ruined by the time this game finished anyway. So I was just, you know, hoping that Sunderland might get a, get a win to you know get some sort of hope of survival back and uh saw the two you know ex palace players score two red cards as well yeah it was 10 versus 10 at the end jake clark salter's challenge in particular was a very bad one um probably the most exciting thing that happened in this game other than a patrick bamford brace was uh callum mcmanaman scoring a 96 minute equalizer for sunderland now mcmanaman and pulis did not get on at west brom it was quite incredible after this. McManaman ran all the way to inside Pulis's technical area, screamed at him, you know, cups his hands to his ears, um, which was amazing. And then Pulis got asked about it after the game, and Pulis said, I didn't pick him very much at West Brom, and now he's not getting picked very much at Sunderland. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's clearly beef Cathy. there. Yeah. But yeah, That's like the Adderby All celebration. Yeah, just, yeah, it I was... It was mad. So, uh, yeah, 3-0, but Sunderland still need to win games there. Yeah. But it was a bit of a dent to Borough's playoff push. What, uh, did, what did Adama Traore do to get sent off? I can't remember. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Never mind. Yeah, but he did. Uh, Millwall got their fourth away win on the bounce, having not won oh. one pre- previously this season before that. Um, with a 1-0 win at Burton, Liam Cooper's goal earned Paul Heckingbottom his first win as Leeds manager. Uh, Ipswich won 1-0 at Preston. That sounds like a, a hoot. Um, Norwich versus Bolton, goalless. And Birmingham were their usual crap selves against Barnsley. Did did Mick McCarthy tell his own fans to fuck off again? No, no, he did <laughs> he not. He was much more controlled this time, was he? But, um, yeah, it looks like from our sources in the Midlands tell us that Cottrell's going from Birmingham and that their first choice is Gary Monk and their second choice is Gordon Strachan. Now, Monk, to me, seems like if you've got a good squad in the championship, he'll do really well. And if you need Pulis Ball to survive, then maybe not the best choice. But Strachan, I mean, obviously, like, was Scotland manager. What what would they both bring to Birmingham, do you reckon? Who would be the better choice? It's, it's tricky. Strachan hasn't managed at club level in a long time mm. since he was at Middlesbrough in this league. And he didn't do a good job with Middlesbrough at all. Um, it feels like a long time since Strachan's done a good job anywhere in England but he's a motivator players like him um, which sometimes when you're down towards the bottom you need can be all it takes are, are, are Birmingham underachieving with a good squad or are they just terrible like... you see Callum Birmingham fan thinks that they have a good squad I, I don't really think they do I think they've got the odd player that maybe Strachan could get more out of, like a hotter yeah. who can't even get in the starting eleven at the moment, having been baffling. Brentford's best player. Uh, but yeah, pretty baffling. I'll do a bit of League One. Argyle, I told you weeks ago that Argyle are up it's when they were about 10 points off the playoffs. They're now in the playoffs, they're six, having been bottom in December. They beat uh, Bradford, who are also up there 1-0, with a revitalised Anthony Sarsovic scoring the goal. And it's their sixth victory in a row. It's happening. That is incredible, isn't it? It's just momentum. It just is happening. Uh, up north, uh, Rotherham versus Doncaster. Now, the reverse fixture here, this is a derby. Um, 
Rotherham equalised with a stoppage time goal from Kiefer Moore in the reverse fixture. It couldn't happen again, could it? No, they can go one better. They equalised in the 93rd minute before a 103rd minute Joe Newell penalty gave them all three points. Do, do we know why there was that much injury time or was it just, uh, just assuming like there was an injury? Or... You've got to assume there's an injury. The yeah. BBC Match Report didn't actually say. That's poor. That's poor from bizarre. the BBC. Yeah, poor from the BBC. Um, Peterborough have sacked club legend Grant McCann after a 1-1 draw with Wimbledon. I think they're on a run of two wins in nine or something like that. Seemed That's a true. little bit harsh, but um, but Peterborough fans will probably say otherwise. Uh, fans tend to do that when a manager gets sacked, don't they? Neutral think, oh, really? And they're like, no, no, we had to go. They tend to be, oh, he's only won a couple of times in the last couple of months. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, oh, God, we suffer. Um <laughs> Yeah, the top three all won. Wigan won the battle of the good FA Cup run teams, uh, <laughs> winning 1-0 against Rochdale. A Danny Graham brace saw off Walsall for Blackburn and Shrewsbury won 2-0 at Charlton, which was a good result. Charlton up there. Uh, and then at the bottom, just a little word for Berry. They've been bottom since Argyle were. So quite a while. And, uh, but they're not anymore because they beat Gillingham 2-1 and are up to 23rd. Wow, congratulations, Berry. Big win for them. I think they previously went nine or ten games without scoring a goal, which you can relate to. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Uh, and just a little bit on League Two. Weird, couple of weird results this weekend, but the weirdest, 22nd, well, they were 22nd, Morecambe, against the team that were second, Wickham, at Wickham, and Morecambe were 4-0 up in next to no time with a... The birthday boy, Kevin Ellison, scoring a brace, including an absolute worldie with his weaker foot on the volley. And uh, that shows that he is merely 39 years young. Big bold. That is unbelievable. We were looking at his record on Wikipedia earlier. The goals he scored from the wing for someone like throughout his 30s is just insane. He started his career in 1996. That's just... That was a long time ago. Are there any Premier League players outfield who are that old? I think McCauley might be the closest. 37, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, it's that's mad. That's just amazing. Mad, yeah. Brilliant. I oh. mean, that's that bottom, That just shows, you know, football league, bottom of the table, top of the table, anything can happen. But I saw a, saw a Wickham fan tweet that they always struggle against Morecambe. I, I mean, I don't know, like, squads change so much down there. It might, might be like a bogey team thing, but yeah. it's just baffling. The other couple of weird results were um, Lincoln losing 4-1 at home to Crewe, which is kind of similar. The team eighth against the proper struggler getting battered and then Barnet who are bottom actually won they won at Colchester who are also chasing the playoffs so maybe a bit of the jitters for teams that chasing the playoffs yeah they got Barnet though our local team down up here yeah um, right we'll do Europe next La Liga was full of goals this weekend um, in the Catalan derby between Barcelona and Girona Barcelona won 6-1. Um, there's been a lot of videos going around of Lionel Messi's personal highlights in that game, all from the first half. He was unbelievable. Um, Suarez scored a hat-trick. Uh, Coutinho and Dembele both started. So they they played this like 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-1-1, you want to call it. Um, but in the past, they've been playing like Iniesta and Paulinho wide, and it's been a bit, not stiff, but a little bit lacking in dribblers. And those two play today... Uh, at the weekend, and they were they were much more exciting to watch going forward. Coutinho scored uh, a, one of his classics, cutting inside from the left, and it just whipping in. I liked uh, Messi's free kick. Yeah, under the wall, 
nice. They're, those are always so satisfying to watch. Um, Girona actually took the league, uh, took the lead in the third minute, and the Suarez equalised in the fifth. So it didn't last long. Um, I caught the uh, on Sunday night. Sevilla played Atletico at the uh, Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan, great name for a stadium, and. Um, this was quite a, uh, an entertaining game. Again, seven goals. Atletico won 5-2. The first goal was quite funny. Costa, Diego Costa doing what he does, you know. He, he claims he's been fouled, wasn't given. Fouls someone in retaliation. Then goes down clutching his face. Gets booked for simulation. And then immediately scores afterwards. And it was an absolute gift of a goal. Because Sergio Rico just... Gives the ball to Eva Banega, who immediately gets pressed by three Atletico forwards. Costa steals the ball, scores, and then it was all one way. I mean, Sevilla's goals both came when they were 5-0 down, so Atletico had pretty much wrapped it up. Um, look out for Griezmann's hat-trick. Uh, his first goal in particular was quite incredible. He takes the ball down in the air in a very tight space with a perfect touch and then unleashes it with his right foot back across a crowded box. Just unbelievable. Um, brilliant goal but it was a great result for United midweek yeah this is the thing people say United did well to get a 0-0 draw away at Sevilla no they didn't Sevilla are weak at the back they are really soft and United if they actually went out and attacked them probably could have won um, by a couple of goals but they've they've come back with no away goals so yeah I mean this result does make a mockery of of the discussion around United's 0-0 draw but they'll, I mean, they'll probably still go through, but it doesn't look good for them. Uh, and Atletico now are about eight points or set, no seven points behind Barcelona. So as they say in uh, in Spain, "I Liga," which means there is league, which is their way of saying there's a title race. But it would obviously require Barcelona to like lose three games for Atletico to win. But it's still on kind of front page of Marca was really good, brilliant picture of Diego Costa. Um, looking like a hungry, angry dog, to say the least. I miss Diego Costa. Yeah. He's, he was he's my guilty fun. pleasure. He's just fun. Like, football needs pantomime villains like Costa. And him and, him and Griezmann up front is such a good partnership. Mm. Um, Real Madrid won 4-0 at Alaves. Again, they were resting some, some key players. It's like Zidane's now, he's considered the league gone. They're out of the cup. And, you know, they were... they they. They went out of the cup without playing um, Ronaldo and, and Bale and fans didn't like that. They thought, why are we not, you know, the league's gone, why are we not going for the cup? And now they've realised that the Champions League is their main priority, so they're resting like Kroos and Modric in the league, but they're still playing a strong team. They won 4-0. Um, Ronaldo was on a hat-trick and let Benzema take a penalty. Which How is unlike him? It's weirdly selfless, isn't it? He um, really does like Benzema, doesn't he? Yeah, they're like... Ronaldo, in the same way that, I mean, it was kind of at Barcelona, Messi and Alves had this weird, had this really good relationship where Alves would just assist Messi loads. Benzema does the same thing for Ronaldo. And, uh, yeah, Benzema needed a goal, to be fair. So it was nice of him. Valencia beat Real Sociedad 2-1. Santi Mina with a double. Um, they've got an eight-point cushion in fourth because Villarreal are on, like, 39 points or something in fifth. Um that seems quite low. Yeah, it's quite it's quite low. It's I don't know there's quite a big disparity between like the top four and the rest of them in Spain now, which you know it's not the same every year. It's just this year. Um, a Spanish friend of mine put on Instagram, you know, the poll feature on the story. He put uh, Santi Mina to the World Cup, yes or no, 
Wow. And it, most people were voting yes. Were they all Valencia fans by any chance? I mean, probably. A lot of the people that will have voted will have been from Valencia. So it's just, but it's just interesting. They've got a lot of these forwards who are sort of of that level that they could that could break into the uh, the national team. So that would be interesting to see. Like you know, Aspas has done so in the past on that. Um, elsewhere in Italy, Milan beat Roma two 0 Gattuso's actually, you know, I've got to hold my hands up. He's actually doing quite well with them now. They look like a cohesive team. Scoring goals. Hopefully, they'll look like a cohesive yeah. team at the Emirates soon. Yeah, I mean, if Arsenal go out of the Europa League, they're you know, that's like the one thing they've got to hold on to now is that they could they've still got a chance of winning that trophy. But do they really? When Atletico Dortmund are still in it and they've got Milan in the next round, probably not. Juventus and Atalanta's game was postponed due to snow. Mandzukic was ready to play in short sleeves. Nice, but didn't go ahead Napoli play away to Cagliari in well about an hour after we record so that's their chance to go four points ahead of Juve although obviously Juventus will have the game in hand but that could give them a little bit of a mental cushion um, in France PSG won Le Classique 3-0 against Marseille Cavani's goal was excellent Clinton and G almost my scored my man my guy Thiago Silva made a brilliant clearance oh, off the why line. did he have to do that I know he was very celebrated it like a goal Thiago Silva it was quite well you know you don't clear a shot from a player like Clinton and G every day um, it's nice to see Clinton doing well it's nice to see Thiago Silva back in the PSG team he didn't play against Real Madrid it's all too political it's, in it's because team, it? they knew Clinton was playing yeah maybe. so they felt they had to take extra protection um Neymar rolled his ankle and was stretched off in tears. I saw a tweet about yeah. that. Yeah. That he's pulled his fanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. <laughs> um, he could miss the Madrid game. We've just got to see whether it's you know a sprain or sort of a ligament damage. And obviously, if he misses the Madrid game, that's quite... Their goal is to win the Champions League, so that's very significant for them. Um Another interesting thing from Le Classique was PSG fans had this big, like, Tifo, I think they called them, the designs in the, mm. of, of Goku, or Goku, however you say, from Dragon Ball Z. It was quite strange. I don't get the connection there. I wasn't a Dragon Ball Z man. Maybe someone can explain it to Bakary me. Bakary Sako could explain to Yeah, me. he loves Dragon Ball Z. He's got yeah. all the prints on his boots. Um, another game that caught my eye in Liga was Toulouse 3, Monaco 3. Uh, Toulouse down the bottom, but not in the relegation zone. Monaco fighting for you know second, and uh, it was a late, late eighty seventh minute winner from Yaya Sonogo of all people, scoring his fourth goal of the season for Toulouse, and it's nice to see him make a career because he he was such a joke figure for so long. It's just quite pleasing when these mm. players actually hit some form. And, well done, Yaya. Yeah, well done, you mate. Uh, in Germany, Bayern ruined accumulators everywhere by drawing at home to Hertha Berlin. It's the first time they've failed to score at home since they lost to Augsburg in May 2015. Wow. Um, they were missing James Rodriguez in this game. And they played... Or James, sorry. Uh, yeah, James Rodriguez. And they played Muller in that number 10 position. The fact that they're still playing Ribéry and Robin, I think, just is... There's warning signs there. Like, why do they those two still start? Like, they've had Kingsley Coleman, Douglas Costa, but Costa obviously left. Robin is still good, but they should have moved on. No one two can dethrone the two kings. Robbery. No one can do it. It's but they're going to have to eventually because they're both like 33 now. But yeah, and that wraps up Europe. Um, I think we'll call it a day I think now. That probably wraps up this yeah. week's 
improvised edition of the 3pm podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week when hopefully we'll have the man from Birmingham back in the presenter's chair. Or the man from Essex. Or, yeah, well, Sussex, Essex. I think he was born in Essex. He sounds like he was born in Essex. He does, yeah. Maybe Kieran will be back. Find out next time on the 3pm podcast. Bye. This is Enigma Voices bringing you the 3pm podcast. (laughs) 